Muddy Knees Media. For the rest of this month, this month being September 2020, you can take out a subscription to The Athletic for the frankly ridiculous price of just £1 a month. That's unrivaled football writing and analysis from the very best people in the business, a brand spanking new breaking news service and ad-free versions of each Athletic podcast, all for just £1 a month. Go to theathletic.com slash totally to get started. Totally Football Show, European edition. Today, Bayern are back with an 8-0 triumph over Schalke 04. Call them Schalke 04 sake. How's the fat lady sung for Wagner? And are the Bavarians even better this time around? Meanwhile, Serie A, Juve win their first Pirlo fight in style. And hello, new owners at Parma. Ligue 1, PSG beat Nice and get off theirs. And La Liga, where it's Luis Suarez to Atleti, question mark, and Iago Aspas love. All those stories and more on the way in this Totally Football show in association with Paddy Power. Hello listener, 22nd of September, football is back up and running all across Europe and we've got lots of big stories from it today. Curtsy of James Horncastle. Hello James. Julien Laurence. Bonjour. Mr. Raphael Honigstein. Hello. And Alvaro Romeo. Hola, James. Hola to you and all of you. Alvaro, it's the 22nd of September. Do you know what that is? His mm. birthday. <laughs> it's no one's birthday. Well, it's lots of people's birthday, Jules, but in this case... The beginning of autumn? No, it's the 15... I'll just jump in here. The 15-year anniversary <laughs> of Jonathan Woodgate's debut hey. for, for Real Madrid. It oh. is also the anniversary of Roberto Baccio's debut in City A. Is that, that right? Went, that went much better. That went much better. Argentina, yeah. Is this incredible game, remember he'd missed his entire first season in the Spanish capital through injury, finally got to make his debut against Athletic Bilbao, scored no goal and was then sent off. Is this game as famous in Spain as it is in England? No, not at all. Not at all. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it has to be said um, that Jonathan Woodgate's uh, stint at Real Madrid it's a vague memory in my mind. I mean, I, I don't recall him doing anything for Real Madrid. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did he have a nickname, Alvaro? Uh, remember? No, no, no. I don't think so. It must no. Have. Very vague. He certainly left a mark with, well, in, indeed, for readers of Marker, uh, who voted him in 2007 the worst signing of the 21st century. I mean, obviously, there's a long way to go in that century, but he left a very high bar for any future contenders for that title. Mm. All right, well, we'll move on to more contemporary things then. And we've got the Bundesliga back up and running. Serie A has returned as well. So uh, alongside Liga, which got started a while back, and of course La Liga. What, what have been the big headlines, briefly, before we get into the meaty stuff? Alvaro, let's start with you. Well, Real Madrid still can't score goals, and they have a real problem with that. And Luis Suarez may be on his way to Atletico de Madrid. He's leaving Barcelona. Wow. All right. Rafa, what have you got? Well, I think it's Bayern's 8-0 win over Schalke on Friday night, uh, which put the future of David Wagner into more, even more doubt. Combined with Dortmund's fantastic uh, 3-0 win with uh, Jude Bellingham, mm. uh, starring in his Bundesliga debut. Part of that all-English front four. We'll explain more about that a little bit later on. But 10,000 fans there in Dortmund for that game. Is that right? No, it's 9,300. My mistake. Jules! <laughs> <laughs> Jules, 
What's been happening in Liga? PSG are back. PSG are back and Kylian Mbappe was back with a bang as well. Incredible after not playing for two weeks. Uh, but we've got new evidence as well, unfortunately, for all the Alvaros of this world and especially the, the one in Marseille, Gonzalez, on the racial abuse incident between him and Neymar during the Classic. And it's just not looking good for Alvaro at all. Sorry, Alvaro. Okay. James Horncastle. Well, the front page of Gazetta on Monday morning was Pielo Kepele. Pirlo, you know, what pearls, I suppose. You know, the, the jewels of his work coming to the fore in his first game in charge of uh, Juventus. A 3-0 win against Sampdoria. Very convincing too. And now I suppose we've got quite a few little moves going on in the league at the moment. Arturo Vidal uh, joining Inter. Um, and uh, Juventus still looking for a striker. At this rate, they might even sign Jules because everyone that I'm ready. everyone that they've tried to buy so far as we'll get into uh, just hasn't happened for them right I thought Gazette already had Pirlo's Jules <laughs> anyway let's start with Bayern Schalke you're listening to the Totally Football Show sponsored by Paddy Power and part of the Athletic Podcast Network There's a piece of music that Schalke must have been heartily sick of Friday evening. Bayern's goal theme, which rang out eight times as the Bavarians, the European and Bundesliga champions, absolutely trounced the Miners. Uh, is that also, Rafa, the sound of the title race ending for another year in the Bundesliga? <laughs> what title race? I mean, I'd be really happy if there is one. Uh, Schalke were not going to be the, the team that uh, put any spanners in the works as far as Bayern's title quest is concerned. And this was a Bayern team without David Alaba and without Alfonso Davis. So still a bit of quality left behind. I think if there's one thing that could encourage neutrals and rivals alike is the fact that this Bayern team at the moment is quite thin. Uh, Thiago is left. Alaba might still leave. Uh, there are only two real stars on the flanks uh, the only backup is uh, teenage Jamal Muziala who scored a goal but uh, I think it'll take him some time to be at the same level if at all so there are I think maybe some problems ahead especially with all these games coming thick and fast mm. so Muziala 17 year old signed from the Chelsea Academy nice to see a young Englishman doing well in the Bundesliga uh, meanwhile Another import from the Premier League, Leroy Sané, two assists and a goal. The second assist was particularly delicious, executes a brilliant little technical spin in the area and then just insolently lays it off uh, for the goal scorer. But also uh, worth checking out was Rob Lewandowski's Rabona assist for, I think, Thomas Muller's goal. All in all, Bayern looks sensational, although you mentioned one or two potential areas of thinness in the squad. Looking at this, you thought, my word, last season they won the treble. This time, are they even better? I think they might be able to continue at the same level, which you know will, will take them very far. But um, there is no even Perisic, uh, no Thiago. So I think they still are looking for some uh, new additions. Reports in Holland suggest that they're quite close to agreeing terms with Ajax over Serginio Dest. Uh, which would be a good addition for Bayern on, on the right-hand side, where they've had only a, a more defensive uh, player at the moment. And Pavao has been there very good, but who prefers to be centre-back. OK. As for Schalke, a miserable end to last season. Not a great start to this one either. What's the position now for David Wagner? 
So David Wagner will still be in charge, um, as far as we know, in the next game against Werder Bremen, which is sort of the, the battle of the under-fire managers, because Florian Kofeld also lost his first game in the Bundesliga season, uh, 4-1 at home to Hertha, to take all the troubles of last season with him into the new one. But Schalke have discreetly, or less discreetly, um, made some contact with alternatives, one of whom reportedly is Sandro Schwarz, the uh, former Mainz player and Mainz coach, who didn't necessarily have the best of time at Mainz either. So fears that Schalke 04 could be the new Hamburg as far as this slide down the table and into possible oblivion, i.e. the second division, um, they may be maybe not overblown the way things are going at the moment. Things looking very Schwarzer for Schalke uh, at the moment indeed. We'll be hearing all about the Borussia's later on, Dortmund and Mönchengladbach, featuring Jude Bellingham's league debut. But next up for Bayern on Thursday, it's the Super Cup with Sevilla. Hey, uh, Sevilla yet to restart and uh, Reguillon is, is gone now. Alvaro, what are their chances of halting uh, Hansi well, Flick's juggernaut? I really want to see how they will play without Ever Vanega because he was instrumental in Sevilla's game. And uh, they've got a new midfielder, Oscar Rodriguez, who can uh, play there. And uh, I believe he will play with Joan Jordan and uh, Fernando. And uh, yeah, but uh, not having Vanega will change uh, Sevilla very much completely because he was the, the compass of the team. So uh, obviously they won't be 100% fit because they haven't played competitive football since the Europa League final. Uh, good news is that Munir Al Haddadi is ready after overcoming the uh, coronavirus. He's fine now. And uh, the big question now, or the big news about Sevilla now, the big team news is that uh, perhaps Jules Kunde could be on his way out uh, because there was, according to reports from Sevilla, an offer from Manchester City uh, for the player of 50 million euro, and Sevilla has refused it. Uh, they still believe that they can get more money for a player whose release clause is 90 million. And yeah, this is uh, all about Sevilla at the minute, whether they will keep Kunde or not for next mm. season. But yes, I think that uh, this is a competition that they want to win. Uh, they have won it only once um, out of five finals and uh, they won this trophy again. OK. Uh, 39 asks uh, for Jules. Kunde, another Paris-born and bred player called Jules. Is he good enough for Man City? What's your take, Mr. Laurence? I think he's good enough for any team. If you watched him last year, both in La Liga and in, in Europe as well, he was incredible. He's not the tallest and not the strongest in the air, but his reading of the game is fantastic. He's, uh, he's such an intelligent player. He's so good on the ball as well. And, and I think if you, on top of that, add a manager like Guardiola, he will improve massively and soon will become like a world-class defender if he's not already. And um, it's, it, we go back to what we've said before on the show, the, the depth... Uh, in terms of the French national team at centre-backs is just ridiculous. It's so good that even Jules Koundé, who was on the pre-list for the uh, the last international break but didn't make it to the squad, but he, he still comes short like Laporte or other centre-backs who are really, really good, but just because Deschamps has so much choice and incredible choice there, he hasn't been there yet, but I, I think it's just a matter of time for, for him to be eventually called up by France. OK. How big is Thursday's game for Bayern Munich, Rafa? Yeah, it's pretty big. They want to win this uh, trophy again. They won it with uh, Guardiola in charge against Jose Mourinho's Chelsea in, in an amazing game, really, um, in Prague, which went to went to penalties. But there's also 
uh, a bit of a distraction, if you will, or, or a lot of debate about the fact that the game is being staged at all in Budapest, which is a high-risk area where Germans are actually not allowed to travel under normal circumstances. Um, Bayern Munich have put um, tests up for all fans traveling in and out of Munich, free of charge. But um, some suggestions from politicians in Germany saying, oh, maybe they should stay at home is not really the the best place to go to. So a bit of a, I don't want to say negativity, but maybe a bit of trepidation going into this game. Are you going, Rafa? Did you manage to? I managed to buy a ticket um, because I wasn't able to get in as a journalist, but unfortunately Hungary is also on the red list for the UK. So if I were to go, I'd have to quarantine for two weeks and... Um, I can't really, so unfortunately I had to cancel. It is a bit surprising that German football hasn't won this competition a lot. Spain, just to give a bit of perspective, has won it 15 times. Germany just once. He's giving it the 15 to 1. You. He's trolling you bad. Come on, Alvaro, you're going to get hammered. You're going to get hammered. Bayern are going to hammer Sevilla anyway. So. 15 1 could be the score on Thursday, is she? Mm. 15 1 could be the score indeed. <laughs> I, I don't have much of a response. I mean, German clubs have really punched way below their weight especially in the Europa League so we just haven't had too many um, teams in this competition uh, in fact if I'm not mistaken um, in the 21st century it's only Bayern who've contested this this game three times so at least they've won it once mm, indeed all right well that's coming up Thursday night it's on BT Sport if you fancy some of that next up we're off to Italy this season, the Premier League's going to be a little bit different. But at Paddy Power, we're trying to embrace the new normal by looking at the upside. Avoid unnecessary journeys. That's Fulham's trip to Anfield off. Fake crowd noise. The Emirates has never sounded so good. Self-isolate. Well, some midfielders do that very effectively. Avoid European travel. Shouldn't be a problem for Everton fans. When you think about it, not that much has changed, really. New normal. Same old football. Paddy Power. 18plusbegumbleaware.org On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Kuluseski, poi Ronaldo, occhio Ronaldo, prova a entrare in aria, palla buona per Kuluseski, che la piazza! E la Juve in vantaggio! Il gol di Dejan Kuluseski, che fa 1-0 con una perla! E presto per dirlo, ma ci piace Pirlo. Hey James, first goal there of the new era, part of a 3-0 victory for Juve on Il Maestro's uh, debut as manager. Could have been twice that, couldn't it, the scoreline? Yeah, Claudio Ranieri said that three goals really flattered his team. They should have lost by a, a bigger scoreline. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, I think, was in some respects to blame for not taking all the chances that Aaron Ramsey set up for him because Ramsey played very well. Um, Juventus set up uh, with the ball in a kind of 3-2-5 uh, system with McKenney and Adrian Rabiot uh, in front of the defence. And then if you want to look at that five uh, going forward, particularly where they're in the opposition's half, you've got Frabozza, who is the uh, under-23 player that they drafted in, uh, Ramsey, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Kulusevski and Cuadrado, um, sort of all filling uh, the spaces up front. And uh, Sam just couldn't get near them, couldn't handle them. Kulusevsky got that debut goal. He says, you know, that was great for him because now he just doesn't have to think about it. He was the young player of the year in Serie A. I think he had 
18 goal involvements at Palmer. And I just think that if Juventus had signed him this summer rather than doing that deal in January, we'd be a lot more excited about some of the transfer business that they've done. McKenney uh, made a very impressive debut as well. Went very close to scoring his first goal uh, for the club as well. I think Galdero, the Samp goalkeeper, made a very good save, particularly late on from him. And lots to be encouraged by uh, from Juventus. I looked into it last night. They scored, they won by three clear goals. I think they only did that on three occasions in the league last season under Sarri. You know, goals did not come easy to them. Uh, clean sheets didn't either. Remember, they conceded 43 goals last uh, last season, which was, I think, the most that a champion has conceded in in Italy since the 1950s. So, yeah, lots to lots to be positive about, even if it's, it is, as you said in your preamble there, James, early days. Let's talk again when they face a real team, yeah? Right. Well, uh, Sampdoria, who finished 15th last time around, an ageing side. How how real a test was this, James? Well, look, I mean, let's not forget that under Claudio Ranieri, when he came in, he stabilised uh, things at Samp. They, I think their record was good enough for 11th place in his spell in charge. Um, and they kept nine clean sheets as well. They were difficult to break down. Uh, but I think what was really interesting... Um, last night was Ranieri after absolutely um, throwing his players under the bus and saying that they were terrible said that you know when we played Sarri's uh, Juventus last year uh, they were just so much more predictable um, than than this Juventus side that we played against tonight you know we knew where they wanted to play the ball we knew where the runs were going to be made and it just made it easier to defend against um, Ranieri did then hold his hands up and say we lost both games so it's 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 nonsense what I'm saying but I think that again was just an indicator of of, of, of the different challenges um, Juventus are posing or will pose teams this season and I think mentioning that you know, how they configure when they're going forward with five players. I mean, Ramsey, I think, was it wasn't just encouraging to see him play 90 minutes and contribute so much to the overall performance, but the fact is that Juventus didn't have midfielders getting into the box last year because they were all playing as a unit. They were all very careful about where they were. And in this game, instead, there was a lot more fluidity. Um, as I said, a lot more players getting into the box, creating chances. And I think that's the unpredictability that Ranieri was flagging. No, I was I was obviously joking, and and the big games are going to come because it's Roma next, and then Napoli in the next two games anyway. So, but I just I was really impressed with McKenny in midfield because it, it can't be easy for, um, you know, a young American like that who played in the Bundesliga and, and played a lot, but to to move to a club like Juventus to play for a brand new a young new manager like this, not knowing the league, not knowing the language, the culture, etc. And apparently he's been very very quick. From the first day to to learn and to to listen and and to be to do exactly what Pirlo had wanted him to do, and I just think he deserves, I think, a lot of credit for for the way he played this weekend. Because yeah, of course, Ramsey has been there season and Rabiot as well and all of that. But for McKinney to be able to put a display like this for his first game and after having arriving what, two weeks ago in Italy, I think is pretty impressive. It's always easier to transition when you go level down. But, oh, uh, what yeah. from- from a team that just shipped eight goals to Bayern Munich. I mean, what Pirlo did say about McKinney last night, he was like, you know, look, encouraging to see what he did. Uh, he made a few mistakes on the ball. Um, and, you know, Pirlo's, I think, very hard to please on that, given that he rarely gave the ball away. But, you know, I think McKinney went not just close to scoring once, but twice, won the ball back 
uh, really well in midfield, which you know is, is something that they didn't always do last uh, last year, and just being versatile as well. You know, they were able to take it, take other players off, and basically move McKenney around to fill in for them. Like when Bentancur came on, for example, he went out and played on the wide on the left, and uh, I think again, just Juventus look a bit more agile uh, than they did last year, and 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 he's he's going to be a part of that. Mm. Loads of excitement about. Uh, Aaron Ramsey, who created six chances in this game, Gazetta going very big on him Sunday morning. Matt Daunt asking, was this a last chance for Aaron to prove himself? Does Pirlo sneakily rate him? Well, Pirlo had um, some lovely words for Aaron last night, saying, look, he's a champion. He's a really in- intelligent player. Um, from what I can gather, and this this goes back to the the end of last season, you know, Aaron's intention was always to stay at Juventus. That's not always easy to do um, when you've got uh, a club that you know has, let's say, overextended itself since it signed Cristiano Ronaldo. But you know, you, you look at some of the yeah they tried to sell Paulo Dybala last summer, and uh, Paulo Dybala was you know has become one of their best players. Well, was the MVP of the league last year. So, in some respects, aside from the likes of Chiellini, Bonucci, and Cristiano. You can't really say that uh, everyone is indispensable um, at the club. But I think with Aaron, certainly from Pirlo's words last night, certainly from the intention of the player, um, he wants to stay. And I think if you look at the the way he played, I think uh, I think he feels that this system, this way of playing is better suited to his characteristics than um, certainly, how he, he was he was made to play for the first half of uh, of last season. Just so he know. was a, a trequartista last night. Well, I mean, last year, remember, he played as a ten for a lot of the the, the season, but it was just so much more rigid, um, and uh, you know, he was having to do a kind of shuttling out uh, to either side, help with the press. Yesterday, he was picking up all kinds of positions, and uh, certainly was was allowed to kind of break beyond Cristiano and Kulusevski in a way that I don't think he was uh, last year. And I think another key thing for for, for Ramsey is he, he got the chance to play 90 minutes. Now, a lot of people look at it and say when he gets taken off, or he, he doesn't play. Oh, it's same old Aaron, you know, he doesn't, uh, he's, he, yeah, he's not fit enough. Yeah, he feels that he can play 90 minutes. He feels that if the, the more he gets a run of playing 90 minutes, the better it is for his kind of physical condition. So I think in some respects... It's not so much the position. I think it's, the, it's the, the kind of principles that Juventus were playing with last night. It's just like, you know, go on, have a bit more freedom in the final third, more freedom than they had under Sarri. And I think, you know, he, he benefited from that. You know, as I said, I think, you know, Cristiano could have had a hat trick of goals just from chances created by Aaron alone. So, you know, I think um, I'd expect to see him there this season, regardless of the fact what we've got another 10 days, two weeks of the transfer window remaining. Um, just because I think he fits what what Pirlo wants um, in that midfield very well. James, as you know, uh, probably uh, Luis Suarez is on his way to Atletico de Madrid. Um, he's been uh, given the permission from Barcelona to, to leave the club. Barcelona will take charge of half of his last year of salary. And Atletico de Madrid is ready to sign Luis Suarez for two years. That means that they are trying to find a team that can accommodate either Diego Costa or Álvaro Morata. There are no offers for Diego Costa yet. And a report from Spain say that uh, Álvaro Morata could be on his way to Juventus on loan first and then uh, transfer next season. I don't know if uh, Álvaro Morata will be the kind of player that would fit in this Juventus now. 
Well, I hope you're coming back um, uh, to, to Juventus after leaving what when Real Madrid basically um, activated their buyback option. Juventus have been looking at lots of different strikers and for whatever reason, they haven't been able to to sign any of them. Uh, Suarez flew into Perugia um, uh, before or after um, uh, the, the Prime Minister. I, 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 I don't didn't know. Happen. Did, did, didn't happen. Didn't, didn't happen. Didn't happen. Okay. It's incorrect. Uh, um, uh, but you know he's not going to be able to get a passport in time f- for him to make the move to Juventus because when they signed Artur and McKenney, that's their two non-EU slots used up. Mm. Um, so that's why they couldn't sign him without the passport. Um, and then you've got Dzeko, who you know, has been lined up for the move. Everything's been agreed there, but Roma need to replace him first. And you've got this incredible situation between Napoli and Arcadius Milik. You know, they're not willing to, to sell Milik until basically well, two things happen. One... You know, they find the players um, after a mutiny uh, back in December and the players haven't paid those fines yet. Um, so it's like, well, what's going to happen there? Uh, and then you have this situation where Milik apparently a couple of weeks ago went to Poland to, to help uh, promote a new restaurant uh, in a kind of publicity stunt. And of course, whenever you play for play for Napoli, you have to kind of give up a stake of your image rights. So the, the, the club are in dispute over that as well. So... All of these things are complicating um, Milik's move to Roma and by by the same token, Dzeko's move to Juventus, which is why you know they are now looking at bringing back Alvaro Morata. Um, but that is a that is a player with completely different characteristics to the ones that Dzeko has. Um, you know, I understand Dzeko is exactly the kind of player that Pirlo wants in that position. So the thing is, you know, the time is ticking, and they need to get a striker in. Mm-hmm. All right, cheers. You'll be back with the the rest later on. Um, <laughs> next up, Jizz. Jizz Horn Castle. Yep. <laughs> next up, over to the biggest game of the weekend on the continent. <laughs> Listeners, how's your hairline doing in this fine year of 2020? Well, despite being from a long line of follically challenged males, I am at the age of 40 still blessed with a full head of hair, with no need for a Jack Charlton comb over or any evidence of a looming. Tilio Lombardo situation up top. Now some of you may not be so lucky and some of you may not wish to rock the look that our very own James Richardson has perfected over the last two decades. So that's where Hims comes in. Hims provides an easy to use, trustworthy and science-backed service for men suffering from hair loss, helping men to be the very best versions of themselves by connecting them with licensed healthcare providers to help with hair loss problems. With HIMSS, there are no more awkward in-person doctor visits or hushed conversations at the pharmacy. You get a proper online appointment and some sound advice on what you can do to help your hair before it's too late. All you have to do is head to 4hymns.co.uk slash athletic to start your free consultation today and check out the full details and all their safety information. That's 4hymns, F-O-R-H-I-M-S.co.uk slash athletic. One more time, 4hymns.co.uk slash athletic. You're listening to the Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. Four against three. Holland stirbt mit nach vorne. Sancho legt ihn in den Lauf von Holland. Das Spiel ist entschieden. Ein wunderbarer, ein traumhafter, ein perfekter Konter. Yep, Jaden Sancho, Erling Holland, wunderbar. As last season's Bundesliga runners-up, Borussia Dortmund took on up-and-coming Borussia Mönchengladbach and gave them a bit of a spanking, eh, Raf? What it did in terms of the results, James, but we are not scoreline uh, podcasters here. Right. And that's why we have to look a little bit deeper at how this game went. Um, 
Gladbach created chances. Certainly in the first half, it was a fairly tight and even game. But Dortmund's superior quality in attack, uh, namely uh, Jaden Sancho and Erling Haaland, ultimately made the difference. And uh, they also got a little bit lucky. Two big penalty shouts both went their way. First, they won a penalty when Giorena was brought down. And then they didn't get a penalty given for them, Gladbach, when a shout uh, for Mats Hummels on Marcus Turan was was waved away effectively. So um, the result's slightly misleading, but the excitement, the thrill that kind of crystallizes in that moment, I think in that third goal is something that will prevail. The question is, what happens on the other side of the pitch? Is there enough stability? Is there enough experience? Is there enough balance? I still have some some doubts, but it's certainly going to be fun finding out with this Dortmund team. Absolutely. That front four, Holland, Sancho, Bellingham and Giorena, all born in England, of course. A, a word for Jude Bellingham making his league debut here at the age of 17 and setting up the equally 17-year-old Giorena with an assist in his first league start. Brilliant, huh? I think the word is woof, James. Woof. If that's the word you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, he was... One. Really good. Um, he played with control. He played with calmness. Uh, he was incisive. He is everything you wouldn't a 17-year-old expect to be at this point in his career. Um, Dortmund themselves thought that he might be able to be in contention by the time Christmas comes around. But he's been so good in preseason that he's already um, a regular. And I think it's hard to to keep him out the starting 11 now. Of course, there'll be rotation, etc. But he's he's done really well alongside uh, Axel Witzel in a more attacking role. He'll be, he was the eight to Witzel's number six. Very, very impressive. But also Giorena, I think we should mention. His improvement over the last few months has been spectacular. He's still only 17. And combining with uh, Bellingham for that uh, first goal made this actually the youngest Bundesliga goal ever scored. Two 17-year-olds involved. And then two 20-year-olds, Sancho and Haaland, finishing off with that wonderful goal on the break. And a, and a great start for Dortmund in front of 9,000 and how many fans, Rafa? 9,300. Right. Uh, 10,000 were admitted, so not quite sold out. Mm. But at least, you know, fans in the stadium and at least some, some kind of atmosphere. The ultras didn't go out of principle, but the people who did show up after getting a bit of, you know, used to the situation, which was a bit strange, uh, started singing and started shouting. And uh, of course, there were no away fans and there was no alcohol and there was no um, uh, no real organized fandom um, possible. But still, it, I think, was actually really, really nice to see and all the players and I think even watching it at home you felt at last this looks and feels a lot more like football and uh, hopefully it will continue. But I must tell you that these partial reopenings are always subject to the local authorities and uh, and the, the number of cases and numbers, unfortunately, in Germany are also going up. So it's by no means a given that we'll see more of these scenes in the next few weeks. I see. Fingers crossed then. Anything else from the Bundesliga before we move on to League 1? Maybe just a brief word on Leipzig. Um, I think a lot of people were interested how they would fare without Timo Werner and Patrick Schick. And they did really well. Um, yes, they only played Mainz, which is not going to be the the most uh, the stiffest of, of opponents. 
but they did well with uh, Paulson leading the line and uh, a more midfield kind of setup with uh, attacking midfielders, stroke wingers behind them. Forsberg had a really good game, and uh, enough to I think suggest that maybe Leipzig will will be a factor once more this season. Okay, then next up, Liga. Listeners, all those years watching football, isn't it about time you put what you know into something useful? Something like Football Index. Football Index is the football stock market where you can use your football knowledge to bet on the best players, buy the right shares and watch your portfolio rise in value. Take a punt on the next big thing, goal scorers or footballers that appear in the media and win dividends based on how they perform. Download Football Index on iOS and Android today and sign up using the offer code TFS20 to take out a seven-day £500 money-back guarantee. Full terms and conditions are available at trade.footballindex.co.uk slash money-back guarantee. It's 18 plus only and please be gambleaware.org. Become a football stock market trader today with Football Index. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. That's right, League uh, everybody. Where Deli Alley might soon be plying his trade. Greg Morley Stevenson says, Does Jules have any insight on the Delhi to PSG rumours? Jules. Only that it was not true. Ah. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, they, they need a midfielder. I don't think they need his profile. And maybe it might happen in the end, eventually, if they can't get the main targets that they have. But why would you... I, I, I don't know why you would go and buy Dele Alli now, or even get him on loan when clearly he's out of form, out of confidence, hasn't played well for quite a long time now. And if he's not good enough for Spurs, I don't know why a top clubs outside of England would go for him. Fair enough then, Jules. Who are their real targets then? I mean, ideally, someone like Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, who obviously is a very different profile to Dele Alli, to just highlight the point I was making, is the dream for Leonardo. The problem is he will cost you 80 million euros and they don't have that money right now. And I'm not even sure that Milinkovic-Savic himself wants to leave Lazio at this time anyway. I think he's very happy in Italy. And you know, I can understand why he wouldn't want to leave that for Paris anyway. So they're still looking. They're trying to be a Is bit that creative. because Rome's a better city than Paris, Jules? Is that, oh. what, is that what you're conceding there? Oh, do you really want to go there? No, no, he doesn't. Sure, he doesn't. <laughs> no, but they, they will have to be creative because there's not as much money as they, they would have had in the past, of course. So, Why is that? Because Premier League clubs, they all have a lot of money this summer, uh, despite the pandemic and the Spanish clubs and PSG, you say now, uh, they don't have as much as before and I don't know why. Yeah, well, but I mean, the, the pandemic has hit them hard. Um, the fact as well that they were already borderline with the financial fair play before the pandemic happened. So they have to be really careful and, and they know that. And also they have a really high high wage bill already. When you think about the money that Mbappe and Neymar, just the two of them are on, Super even if they're free. Well. You know what? He refused to come back. PSG offered him a one-year deal and he wanted two years. So wow. he said, F off. I'm not, I'm, I'm not coming back for just one year. Like, you know, who do you think I am? So he's going to go somewhere else now, which I think is a shame, really. I, yeah. I think, Chupo could have stayed, but... Chupo, the, the hero of the Atalanta game. No, I mean... 
It is, yeah, it is. At, but, at, PSG don't don't break through and get past the quarterfinal hoodoo without without Chupo. Without Chupo, you're right. You're right. That's why Ch- I, think- I I hope your boys have got Chupo promoting PSG shirts, Jules. No, that we, when we're trying to buy some, they were sold out after his <laughs> exploit against Atalanta. So you could not find any in Paris anymore. So now it's a bit too late. Now we, we've moved on. So um, PSG, George, as we mentioned back at the start, who last week were in a really difficult uh, run of form, lost the first two games, have now had two straight wins since then. Uh, last midweek, uh, beating Mets in the. 93rd minute was it with Julian Draxler's goal which some said saved Thomas Tuchel's job and then at the weekend a seeing off Nice 3-0 with Mbappé running right yes you're right the, the Nice win was was far more convincing although Navas had to make some good saves as well uh, in the PSG goal but they were they were much better going forward they were more they were better organized more serious the, Mbappe was was fantastic to the point that the defender Youssef Atal, the Argentine international who defended on him, was the right back, and Mbappe playing a bit more on the left, ended up injuring himself because the the poor kid. I mean, he's a really good player, but Mbappe was just on another level, and he just could not keep up with him, and he ended up injuring himself trying to defend on Mbappe. It was really good when Mbappe is in that kind of form and comes back like this; it makes a huge difference. But but the, I guess the bad thing is that they lost Idrissa Gay on injury, which is another player injured or out. Uh, Angel Di Maria on Wednesday night will go in front of the, the League Discipline Committee about his, um, his pitting incident during the Classic with Alvaro. He's going to be heavily banned. There's no doubt you could clearly see on the, on the TV footage that he spat in the direction of Alvaro. So he's probably out for five or six games. So they have a long list of players who are not there anymore, although Neymar will come back. Uh, at the weekend because he's, he's now done his two-game ban for, for the, all the incidents against, the, against Marseille. And in the meantime, there's TV footage which appears to confirm that Alvaro of, of Marseille did indeed call him a monkey. Yes, that's right, James. Uh, this morning, I'm not really sure how or why that footage only emerges today from Brazil, by the way, although they're coming from French television. I don't know if the league has always had those, that footage or if... if Somehow, somewhere, there was an issue. But in the end, you can clearly see on the video that he says the word mono, which is monkey in Spanish. I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, again, you know, everybody has turned into being lip readers. But even if you look, uh, if even if you ask professional people, they say that you can clearly see the word mono and not, nothing else, uh, which obviously is really bad for Malvaro. I think there's a lot of people in France already asking Marseille to finish his contract and send him back to Spain. The, the club was... Maybe a bit naively, but I thought it was very quick to go and defend him. And maybe that's what you have to do. I, I, don't, I don't know. I've never been in that position. Uh, he swore to them that he didn't say anything. And for a while, we could not see anything on the videos, on footage that proved that he racially abused Neymar. But now Marseille look a bit embarrassed. I think their fans are a bit embarrassed as well. Alvaro should feel embarrassed. Remember, he tweeted that photo of him only with the black teammates of his team. I mean, even the poor Nagatamo, who's just arrived, who's not black, I know, but who just literally joined the club. Suddenly he was asked to do this photo of people he hardly knew, not knowing what he was for. And it was Alvaro saying, look, I've got loads of black friends or Japanese friends or Muslim friends or whatever. I'm not racist. And now a week later, those, that footage emerges. I just think it, it makes everybody look bad. If, if you read uh, his lips, I mean, he says mono. And uh, in a very emphatic way, uh, with an adjective next to the word mono. So it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad, yeah. And I think it's quite clear as well that he's saying that. 
So is there going to be action now beyond what Marseille might do, Jules? Will the league take action against him? Yeah, so the discipline committee has launched an investigation on this just to, to try to find a, a footage that proves the racial abuse. And for a long time, as, as I was saying, we didn't think that... We, we, we could not see it, to be fair. Not, not saying that Neymar was lying or that Alvaro was lying or whatever. It's just like you could not see it until that new footage today. And now, as Alvaro just said, it's, it's pretty clear. The suspension, the scale in, in, in the rules in France is seven games maximum. So I think he will be banned for seven games. Uh, there, could be, there could be more. There could be ramifications elsewhere, especially if Neymar takes it to the police or something like that. But I think there will be high pressure on Marseille to just finish his contract. OK, we'll get more from Ligue 1 as PSG move up to seventh now, four points off the top, a little bit later on, or from Jules, but next up, Spain. Por todo lo que ya ha conseguido el estadio Yago Aspa será el nuevo Balaídos. En su pierna izquierda está la humildad porque mezcla el talento y la calidad. Blon, with his tribute to El Mago de Moana, Yago Aspas. He left the Liverpool fans spitting, of course, in a different way. Aspas, but as you said this weekend, Alvaro, it's always a good time to remind Liverpool and Sevilla fans that Yago Aspas is a very fine footballer. You know how Jorge Valdano describes him. He says that he is the Lionel Messi of the middle class. And uh, it's a very good explanation. I mean, he, he is always shining when he, when he plays with a, a middle-level team. Uh, for Celta, he's been astonishing. I, I don't think that Celta would have stayed so many years in the top flight without him. And uh, he's still scoring goals. I mean, I, I was checking the other day the statistics of Yago uh, Aspas and Fernando Torres both playing for Celta and Atletico, respectively. And Yago Aspas has scored as many goals, but playing around 80 games less than Fernando Torres for Atletico de Madrid. So he's a real legend at Celta. And yeah, he gave a very important victory um, to, to his uh, teammates against Valencia. Uh, he scored a free kick, uh, which is one of his specialities. And uh, he is one of these players that feels good only when he plays in, in his region. Uh, he is very attached to, to Celta supporters to the point that he is one of the part of the, the ultra stand as well, or he was in the past. And uh, when he played for Liverpool, when he played for Sevilla, you could see that he, he wasn't there. He, he was detached. But uh, playing for Celta, he has reached some certain levels that uh, has earned him not only caps uh, with Spain, but also like uh, the praise of uh, all the Spanish fans because he is astonishing. Mm. So his goal rate with Celta is way better than Fernando Torres in his Atletico Madrid El Nino days. Yes, I can give you the numbers. Uh, I have them written here. Just give me a second. All right, let's hear them. Scored, as you, as you mentioned, a Valencia beating brace this weekend for Celta Vigo. Basically, James, Diago Aspas has scored... 102 goals in 201 games with Celta in mm -hmm. the top flight. Mm -hmm. Fernando Torres scored 102 goals for Atletico in 281 games right. in the top flight. Okay. How many did he have when he went back for that less successful uh, second spell? Not many, to be honest. Uh, I think that Fernando Torres was a bit finished by that time, uh, which is a bit sad. And by the way, there is a documentary uh, in Amazon uh, about Fernando Torres, in which uh, they reflect on his last years in Atletico de Madrid, and uh, it is hinted that his relationship with uh, Simeone uh, during his last year wasn't the best. I see. All right. Uh, now, what else in Spain? Still no Barcelona or Atletico Madrid. And Real Madrid not entirely back either, uh, judging by their game this weekend away against Real Sociedad. Nil-nil. Are they missing Gareth Bale and James Rodriguez, Alvaro? Mm. 
I don't know if Gamer Rodriguez, but they've been missing Gareth Bale for, for a season or two since Cristiano Ronaldo left. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, that's empiric, empirical. I mean, that, that's happening. Uh, the numbers of Real Madrid is, since Cristiano Ronaldo arrived in the club, they were always scoring over 100 goals in La Liga since Cristiano Ronaldo arrived. With the exception of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's last season, Real Madrid scored that season in La Liga 94 goals. Uh, still, a lot. When Cristiano Ronaldo left, Real Madrid scored in La Liga 63 goals in 18-19 and uh, 70 goals in the 19-20 season. The problems of Real Madrid now uh, are in attack, basically. Uh, Eden Hazard is still not fit. Marco Asensio has problems with his fitness as well. And uh, they rely on Karim Benzema, who has turned out to be a great uh, scorer, at least lately. And on youngsters uh, that rotate a lot, Vinicius, Rodrigo, uh, you name them. I mean, there are many players that have uh, played in the wings and they don't contribute with many goals. And Real Madrid is not scoring a lot. And this is a problem that they are going to encounter when they go to Europe. When the games are defined in tight margins, you need to have good scorers. Okay. How did uh, David Silva do? This was his his debut in La Liga for Real Sociedad. Yeah, it was his first uh, La Liga appearance in a decade. Uh, the last game he played against Ceres in 2010, he scored the goal. And uh, he was all right. I mean, he played for 20, 25 minutes. He had a shot blocked by Rafael Vagan. He produced a number of good passes going forward. And that was promising, yeah. I mean, we have to remember that David Silva uh, suffered from COVID-19 as well. So maybe he wasn't uh, up to his best. But uh, I think it was promising. And, it, and I believe that he will fill in the boots of uh, Martin Odegaard, who played fantastically last season at Real Sociedad and who happened to start for Real Madrid uh, on Sunday night as well. Alvaro, on the subject of Barcelona, the petition against Bartomeu, the vote of no confidence, got a massive response. What's been the fallout from that? Well, they got, they got 4,000 signatures more than needed. Now it has to be verified if the signatures are valid or not. I heard the rumour that uh, about 1,000 of those signatures are coming from... Leo Messi. But let's, let's say that uh, there is a rumor that about a thousand signatures are coming from bots, but uh, that has to be proven. We will know the final count, uh, how many signatures uh, they have uh, by the end of September or the beginning of October. And if there are at least uh, 16,520 signatures, then there will be a referendum to vote whether this board uh, should continue running the club or not. Uh, okay. For the referendum to be valid, at least the 10% of Barcelona members have to vote in it. And um, then a 66.6% of the votes, basically two-thirds, are needed uh, to kick out uh, this entire board. If that happens, then there will be an interim board that will take over the club and uh, has to set a date for the elections within three months. And the elections will happen around the month after the elections are called. So if everything goes like that, we will expect that uh, for late December or for early January, there will be elections at Barcelona. Can we can we talk about Ricky Puch? Mm. Of course. And not, not being wanted by, by Ronald Koeman, which surely, if Ronald Koeman watched the games last, at the end of last season after restart and saw what Ricky Puch was bringing to that team, that makes no sense. I totally agree with you, but this has become a little bit of a political issue at Barcelona because uh, Ricky Puig embodies uh, a certain way of understanding football by Barcelona that made them very successful, uh, playing with technically gifted midfielders like Iniesta or Xavi. And uh, yeah, there are 
there is a sector of this of this directing board and uh, also within the fan base asking for more muscle more uh, fortitude in uh, in the midfield uh, that's why Jorginho Wijnaldum became a target and uh, it's a player that uh, some of the fans want for Barcelona and yeah Enrique Puch is that player that uh, could obviously like be like uh, the next Andres Iniesta the next Xavi Hernández uh, and uh, Barcelona or Kuman uh, don't uh, don't want to have him in the squad because Kuman told Ricky Puig that he won't have many minutes this season. But the player wants to stay. Uh, Barcelona wants to find the loan for him to a club that makes some sort of sense. For example, Ajax. Uh, it's still to be seen whether he will stay or not. But I, I would like to to say as well that Andres Iniesta didn't become a regular starter for Barcelona until he was 23. Uh, same thing happened to Xavi Hernandez. So um, obviously, Ricky is rushing and he wants to play now and he believes that he can play especially after Rakitic, Arturo Vidal and Artur left but uh, it may be a little bit too early I agree with you Jules I think that he was fantastic I want to see him play more and it's a real shame that uh, the manager is not on that page but that's the way it looks now Ricky Puch and the Kuman Puch have you gone with the same one? What do you do, James? <laughs> You've been said, working too long together Don't, don't give Ricky the push <laughs> <laughs> yours, yours is better Ricky! <laughs> Ricky! And uh, there is something else. News about uh, Nelson Semedo. He may be on his way out to Wolverhampton Wanderers for 30 or 40 million. Why? Uh, Why? This, uh, I cannot ha- get my head around it uh, because... Uh, it's great scouting. Uh, uh, after Alfred, this, Semedo great. will have moved, James, around 60 million in his career. I mean, uh, I don't get it, but who am I to stop progress from happening? Jules, you were outspoken on the subject of uh, Nelson Semedo. I mean, the only reason I can see is Jorge Mendes and Wolves just doing a little service to Barcelona that at some point will be repaid in the future because no one in their normal mind will spend that money on a player like Nelson Semedo. I'm sorry. Although the way Wolves play with wingbacks is better for him because in a back four, he's just, he's just out of his depth. That's a spot on. I think that George Mendes will ask for some retribution from Barcelona in the Surely. future. Right. One day, and that day may never come, I would call upon you to perform a favour. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, let's uh, get the other news from League Ur. Another stunning goal for Brest. Jules. Romain Perrault, you're right. Last week we talked about the, the Irving Cardona incredible volley, and this time it's a team goal. Uh, 17 passes, 60 seconds, 10 players out of the, out of the 11, uh, Le Doiron being the only one, the, uh, the right winger, not to touch the ball. Incredible, really, pass and move uh, to get to the goal. And it's a, it's a lovely volley as well, again, from Perrault. But best goal by far this season in Ligue 1. Collectively, I mean, not individually, but collectively. It was fantastic. And, and Brest, I'm waiting for your jokes, but doing really well. Really, really, really well this season. So well done to them. Lovely stuff. But Ren, meantime, handed Monaco... Their first defeat under Niko Kovac, a 2-1 at the weekend, without Edouard Mendy. Is that now all sorted, Jules, for his transfer to Chelsea, the keeper? Yeah, I believe so, James. There were negotiations until the end of uh, last week, and then they gave the player the authorization to speak to Chelsea, which he'd done already. I love, I love those. Uh, oh, yeah, we've done... We've told Edouard he could speak to Chelsea now when he'd already agreed for a while his contract there. But anyway, so I think, I believe this week at some point he will come to London and and sign for the club, which I think would be great, especially after seeing uh, Kepa against Liverpool at the weekend. It's a big loss, obviously, for, for Rennes. They're looking at who to replace him with. I think Kevin Trapp 
Uh, Frankfurt is, is certainly a name on their shortlist, like Gomis at Dijon and, and Alphonse Areola before he chose Fulham. So they will find, sign someone else, but they've, they've started the season so well and they certainly beat Niko Kovac right at the end uh, through one of the young players, Truffier, the, the left-back who came on and scored one and, is, and assisted another one. Uh, it was a bit harsh on Monaco and Kovac is doing a really good job there. They were very disciplined and, and well-organized and Benier, they scored, but... Rennes were too good. They've got so much momentum and confidence going, going forward. Rennes, they, they're hard to beat now. Jules, thank you very much. City A. Napoli off to a good start. 2-0 winners at Parma. Two things to mention here, if we could, James. One is the arrival in the 61st minute of Napoli's record signing, Ozyman, who turned Napoli around. And the other is Parma's new owners. But Ozyman first. Yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise, I suppose, that Osman didn't start, given he has scored hat-tricks in practically every friendly he's played um, for the club. But I think Gattuso was a little bit cautious going away uh, to a Palmer side that had a lot of enthusiasm around it. Um, new coach, new sporting director, new owner. Um, but yeah, they played some neat and tidy stuff first half, uh, Napoli, without uh, ever really threatening. Uh, their hosts and then when Osman came on really attacking from Gattuso because with Cajon now uh, no longer part of the the club that uh, front three uh, Vincenio, Mertens and Cajon has been broken up so there was Lozano who remember last year was their record signing and then Osman and Mertens in the middle and Insigne out wide so it was essentially kind of 4-2-3-1 4 and Osimhen just wreaked havoc. Um, you know, the Palmer players didn't know what to do with him because he's he's so tall and agile. Really got a lot of spring to him. So he was running in behind, pushing that Palmer defense back. Um, he was a threat in the air, um, and uh, it looks like a great option. Um, well, it's more than that because they paid seventy million for him. But um, you know, kind of really encouraging to see how uh, he started. And yeah. I, I, Napoli have got lots of options up front. They've got Pitania as well. So curious to see what uh, how that pans out over the next few weeks. As for Parma, meantime, beaten a 2-0 in this game. You mentioned a lot of changes there. They lost Kulusevski, who was scoring goals for them last year. They fired their manager, Roberto Daversa, and brought in Fabio Liverani. Uh, what are their prospects and how much backing do you think they'll get from their new American owners? Well, I was lucky enough to speak to uh, Karl Kraus last week, the the new owner of, of Parma. He's sort of very uh, excited to, to get involved. He's got some business interests uh, in Italy, uh, heritage in Italy as, as well. But uh, you know, from what I understand, you know the the executive team, the the group of local businessmen at Parma who basically came in and saved the club when it went bust, what four or five years ago. Um, yeah, they felt that they had achieved everything that they could achieve. Their goal was to get the, the team back in the top flight, which, let's not forget, looked really unlikely when, when they got relegated right to the bottom of the football pyramid in Italy. And um, you mentioned the changes that they've made in management uh, this summer. Um, Roberto D'Averza and also the sporting director, um, Fagiano, both have left, which is a shame because I think that they have helped Palmer punch above their weight. So... I think um, you know it's great to see more foreign investment in the league. I think that's what it needs in terms of you know getting the league pointing in the right direction. But yeah, I, I suppose Kraus uh, needs to get his his feet under the the, the desk um, fairly quickly because as we, we're seeing with Roma and the Friedkin Group have taken over there, 
yeah, it's uh, it's a challenging time to come into the league with COVID impacting transfer market um, coming in after the transfer market's already begun, after the season's already begun. But you know, I think ultimately having that kind of ownership in there, the sense that I got of his will and his ambitions for the club, I think, uh, yeah, exciting generally. Okay. Good. Still to come today, listener, uh, we'll be getting to your questions if you sent one in. Uh, first of all, though, let's get some odds from our friend Lee Price. Hello, my continentally minded friends. If you thought you loved the regular odd slot, just wait till you hear of a European twist. It's basically me still mumbling away, but throwing in the odd mispronunciation of a division. It really is brilliant. We'll start in France, where the title race has been blown wide open by PSG's inauspicious start. They're now as long as 1-18 to 18 to be champions. I shouldn't laugh. Surprise leaders Rennes are 33-1 to 1 to win the league alongside Lyon and Marseille. But we still make Ligue 1 the most one-sided league in Europe. I told you I mispronounced a few leagues. That very much isn't the case for Italy, where Juventus have a juicy early season test in Rome. I've spoken on previous pods about them not being odds-on to win Serie A for the first time in donkey's years. And again, they're not odds-on to win this game. They are, however, even money favourites. Roma 5-2 to win and the draw 12-5. If the old lady don't win this one, there'll be carnage in our title betting market. By which I mean Inter will probably be the new favourites. And finally, to Barcelona, where it's a new dawn, a new day and a new favourite in the title race. Albeit hardly minnows threatening a shock. It's Real Madrid that are the 5-6 favourites to win La Liga. An impressive start from Barca, though, in their first game under Koeman, might change that pretty rapidly. They're 4-9 to beat Villarreal, and a certain Leo Messi is odds-on to score. Hashtag narrative. It's bound to happen, isn't it? You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate. At the time of recording, it's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Zig and Zag, fun's just starting for him. He says, what does Alvaro think of a front two of Costa and Suarez being egged on by Diego Simeone. Brutal, with four exclamation marks, which suggests to me that Zig and Zag really quite likes that idea. What do you yeah, think, Alvaro? Yeah, of, co- of course he, he likes everything about uh, those two strikers. They, they can be incisive. Uh, and I think that this word is with their incisors as well. How Luis Suarez can be. But this is not 2014. Putting the James. number nine in K9. <laughs> <laughs> this is not 2014. Nope. And I think that Diego Costa and Luis Suarez, especially Diego Costa, uh, is not the same player. Uh, I explained before the game against Liverpool that uh, he's got uh, metal plaque in his neck and that uh, doesn't enable him to to go strong for the headers. Like Jaws, you mean, or, or what? <laughs> no, uh, inside. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. No, the Richard Keel in the, 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 in the, in bond, the bond. Right. No, okay. But so, no, he has a metal plate and he can't go up for headers anymore. No, it's not that he can't, but he doesn't feel confident doing that. I mean, right. uh, he is not physically the same beast that he was uh, when Chelsea signed him. Mm, okay. So you're not so keen on it then? Costa May happen. Uh, who knows? Miracles happen. But uh, right. I don't think that uh, that partnership is very promising at this stage, being one of them 32 and the other one 33 years old. Okay. Uh, Daniel Rose says, I need to know who Jonathan David at Lille is, Julien Laurent. Uh, with Alfonso Davis, can Canadians actually hope to have a not completely garbage national team in the near future? Tell us about Jonathan David, Jules. Yeah, they can for sure, Canada. I mean, they, he's another wonderful talent. Uh, 
born in Brooklyn, but I think I think you know it, this one the the US can't um, can't claim him, I guess. Uh, who had a really good season in Belgium last year, especially in Europe and both domestically as well. Uh, with Gantz and then moved to Lille uh, for around 30 million euros to replace Osim and who we just talked about Napoli after he left for Napoli. Slow start so far of his career in Ligue 1, which I think was always going to be the case because he needs to adapt. Lille play very different football. I think Ligue 1 is a, is a very different league than, than, um, than the Jupiler League in, in Belgium as well. So he was always going to need time, but he's a wonderful striker, second striker. He can also play wide, left-footed, but with a lot of pace, very intelligent player as well. He was a bit unlucky on Sunday night, the big game against Marseille for Lille, who super dominated the game and then ended up conceded late to only draw 1-1. But he set up uh, Yilmaz, Burak Yilmaz, the Turkish international striker who also moved to Lille this summer. Uh, and Yilmaz should have scored, hit the post. And I think that assist would have given Jonathan David a lot of, a lot of good. But I, I don't think there's any doubt that he will come good at some point. He's just a slow start now and just for the time that he adapts to, to Ligue 1. But really good talent. And I think once again, Lille uh, being very clever in the way they do their recruitment. Excellent. A general question here from Greg Morley-Stevenson, who says, As a Spurs fan, I've heard endless transfer rumours about Kane, Delhi, and others over the years. I've always been surprised that Hyung min Sun hasn't garnered more attention. Does the panel know why he doesn't seem to have admirers abroad? Rafa? I think he has admirers abroad, and I think he's also um, in the past been perhaps looking at uh, another club in Europe. But um, I think it's very difficult when you're such an important player for Spurs who um, are very averse to selling their best players, for any club to, to find the kind of money that it would take to extricate him from there. So uh, I don't think anyone's actually ever really tried because they are almost afraid of what price Daniel Levy might quote them. I see. Uh, the Virtual Truth has a question about Atalanta. Are they genuine challenges this season with Moranchuk and possibly uh, Firpo? Oh, and Romero. Uh, and are they lacking depth in central midfield? Any news on potential signings? James. <laughs> well, Gasparini has said that Atlanta for the title, journalistic fantasy. Um, but uh, what I would say is, you know, they're no longer going into seasons, you know, kind of bashfully saying, uh, yeah, we just want to stay up. Um, yeah, you can't do that after doing what they've done the last four years. Um I think they have got a chance of the title. Um, I think if they can be a little bit tighter at the back, certainly they've got you know firepower that no one else has. They've kept all of their best players, you know, so far. Uh, aside from Castagna, everyone's uh, fantasy football, um, you know, sort of prize pickup at the moment. They've they managed to retain everyone. And Josipilicic is back in Bergamo. He's, looks like he's back training as well. There's there's no time scale on when he's going to be back, but that's why they signed. Uh, Miranchuk, um, they have got depth in midfield because they brought back Matteo Pessina, who had a very good year with Hellas Verona last season. Romero will give them a bit more depth at centre-back as well. Very aggressive. I think he did. No, he didn't play under Gasparini, but um, he's come from Genoa um, via Juve. So I think you know, they've done some pretty impressive business. They've added. Um, and to be honest, I always thought they had good depth anyway last year. I mean, yeah, Muriel wasn't a starter and yet was their joint top scorer with Dugan Zapata. Uh, Malinowski was fantastic coming off the bench, um, doing what kind of Papu and Josipilic can do. Um, so I'm quite bullish about them, uh, really, James. So, yeah, I think, 
I, I can see them being in the top four again, definitely. Okay. Hmm. Or maybe even more. We shall see. Mm. Uh, Alexi Yavampar has a very quick final question, which is, does Pirlo really intend his team to mark man-to-man? Uh, and how's that going to work against big sides in Italy and in Europe? Well, I, I think what Benucci was saying when he said that's a point of difference between what they were doing under Sarri is that um, under Sarri they played a complete zonal way of, of, of football. I don't think it's... It's not too different from what they were doing under Allegri when they were playing man man marking. I think uh, it's 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 not as aggressive as as Atalanta's uh, playing man to man across the pitch. But um, yeah, Bonucci was saying that it just allows them to to be a little bit more aggressive uh, when they step out and press opponents rather than what they were doing under Sarri, which was to press as a unit. Um, yeah, in that respect, press as a defense or press as a midfield. I mean technically should all go together but um, I think that's what he was meaning and Juventus have done it before so I don't see any reason why they can't do it again Fair enough then Excellent well that's where we'll wrap it up for today's European edition of the Totally Football Show we'll be back next Tuesday with all the latest of course on Thursday there'll be the uh, regular variety uh, Totally so hopefully you'll be joining us for that in the meantime many many thanks to Rafa, Jules, James and Alvaro and you listener and of course producer Charlie too do have yourselves a wonderful week and we'll catch up with you soon you've been listening to the Totally Football Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network keep up to date with everything Totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and follow us at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad free on the Athletic app The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. Muddy Knees Media.